Gunning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben his friend Gunning. Yeah, five regulation wins for the Toronto Maple Leafs is troubling. I'd like more. Here are the teams that are either tied or ahead of the Toronto Maple Leafs in regulation wins. Ottawa Senators. They are dead last in the, in the Atlantic Division. Yuck. They have six. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets also have five. They are dead last in the Metro. They're one of the most laughing stock franchises in North American pro sports. Yep. They've benched their big um, free agent acquisition. They have yep. uh, healthy scratched uh, their big trade acquisition. There's something about phones. I can't even remember. What they that was. fired their head coach oh, right. before the season and had to give him an undisclosed amount of money. Um, the Chicago Blackhawks, who have now beaten the Maple Leafs twice this season, Great. although the last time does not add to the statistic because it was an overtime, but they have four regulation wins. The Minnesota Wild have four regulation wins. They've lost seven consecutive. They have four regulation wins. They played the exact same number of games as the Maple Leafs have in 19. And then at the bottom of the Pacific Division, Ducks have lost six straight. They have six regulation wins. The Edmonton Oilers are the laughingstock of the entire league. They have six regulation Mm -hmm. wins. San Jose Sharks have four regulation wins. So... I mean, is it, hey, flip side, yep. part of this argument. Is it quite an accomplishment that the Maple Leafs, when they've had their back up against the wall, have come through in overtime and shootouts? Half of their wins this season, 10, mm-hmm. have come in overtime and shootouts. Yep. Is there something to be said about the intestinal fortitude of this Toronto Maple Leafs team that when, you know, desperation strikes, they come through in the clutch? I think this is a team that plays a lot of close games and they're comfortable in those moments. If you want to look at that as some great trait to have, I can see it, but I don't look at it necessarily as an intestinal fortitude thing. I look at it as they struggle to score and they play a lot of one goal games kind of thing. I think that's what you see as a result of that. I don't think that this is a Leafs group that just finds a way, like much like I talk about the Eagles and they just find a way to keep winning. The Leafs just find a way to get their loser point or get to overtime. But so to me, it's not that it is just a team that plays a lot of tight games. You're going to have runs of uh, runs of success in overtime or the shootout. That's the way I look at it. I look at overtime and shootout as pretty much a coin flip. We were talking about this mm-hmm. briefly in one of the breaks. Yeah. And I, I would like a breakdown of exactly how indicative of your underlying talent winning games in overtime specifically like when it gets to a shootout we can all agree that feels like the most coin flip of all coin flip well an underlying talent in three on three and underlying talent in nhl hockey are different things they are they're entirely different things so like what is the statistic you look at when you're like hey is this this team is putting up a bunch of points Mm -hmm. are they actually good or are they just on an incredible heater that's not sustainable what is what is the thing that you look at because Mm -hmm. for me it's a couple of things one is regulation wins the other is five on five goal scoring and the relationship between goals scored and goals scored against yep. at, at five on five. And, you know, it, it would help if the Maple Leafs were getting more than the third fewest mm-hmm. power play opportunities this season. But, yeah, five on five, very important for this group, and it's not going their way. For a guy who complains a lot, I have been I've made sparsely few comments about that. It's right, actually it's, it's like it's just part of being watching the Leafs. Oh, I know, you, but you, I, you rarely get to see them on the power. But play. I typically complain about that, and I just would like credit for not doing so ad nauseum after every single game this year. I, you I, should be okay. Well, 
That's Cowboys, like Cowboys that's a lot more starting like, on Wednesday. That's a lot more legit gripe than the schedule gripes. What uh, disagree? What I look for, the number I look at, I think all those are good ones. The other one is pretty pretty straightforward. It's uh, the old plus minus in terms of goal differential. If you got a big goal differential, tells me a lot. Early on in the season when Vancouver was there and it was oh they okay they beat they beat Edmonton eight one. Okay, well I'm going to need a couple weeks before that goal differential makes some more sense to me again. Guess what? We're now 20 games into the season, so I can look at it and you see where the Leafs fall in that. They're plus one. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what they've been this year. They've been a little bit better than they than the rest of the league, but they have not set the world on fire. So that's kind of the way I look at this Leafs team is they're they're plus one in goal differential. And quite honestly, that number, if it was minus one, I'd say the exact same thing. Yeah, that feels about right. They're a pretty even team this year, but the difference with them and other teams in that area is they don't have one or two game breakers. They have three or four, mm-hmm. and that is enough to paper over on any given night. I mean, Nylander's done it on six, seven different occasions already this year for this team. So I think that's the difference between the Leafs and other teams that kind of find themselves in that kind of area of that. To me, they're in a mu- in the mushy middle yeah. of the Eastern Conference. Like, yeah, this I, is, I feel like that's what I said. Yeah, that this is a team that was supposed to have their best opportunity to win the Atlantic Division. That seems funny. Like a long time ago. And and I know, hey, they have a couple of games on the Lightning uh, in the standings, and they've beaten them already a couple of times this season, but Andre Vasilevsky's back and healthy. Um, and I know the Bruins all of a sudden have a couple of, you know, they have three regulation losses this season, but that's obviously just, that's, that's again, going to be a yep. great, great regular season team, and the Panthers haven't taken a step back after making it all the way to the Stanley Cup final a season ago. All right, this Insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Today's Insider, Frank Saravelli, president of hockey content at DailyFaceOff.com. Did you have a good Thanksgiving, Frank? I did. It was awesome. Good I actually you. had a, a friend down from Edmonton, so he got to, cool. he got to experience the U.S. Thanksgiving flavor mm. and then uh, took him to the Bills game yesterday afternoon. Oh, that boy. Was well, at least he enjoyed part of it. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, at least the two different 10-point leads that they had. <laughs> yeah, that's harsh. That's a rough one. Um, yeah, uh, congratulations to to your Eagles who, yeah, I mean, uh, all the up they and down. Pl- they really can't, man. Perfect like football machine. This is a, such a gauntlet uh, part of the schedule for them, and they just keep rattling off wins. So kudos to them. Mahomes, just... Dak, I know, and like... now Josh Allen and it's not gonna, in a row. It's not going to end. What, you get the Niners coming up? Like, it just it – well, ne- That's it. After you get through the Niners and Cowboys, you're home free. Yeah, sure. I mean, they're already home free because they've they've built up the equity of winning all those games against, uh, yeah, the the Cowboys, Chiefs, and now Bills. So congratulations to uh, the city of Philadelphia. Uh, all things are pointing upward, including the the, the hockey team there. But let's talk about yeah, yeah ish. Uh, uh, the right there with the Leafs battling for their playoff lives in the Eastern Conference. Not a place we expected the Leafs to be, and, and maybe they won't be at the end of the regular season, but we just mentioned it. Five regulation wins for the Toronto Maple Leafs is among the lowest in all of the National Hockey League. They've they've not played as many games as some of the other teams that we're talking about in and around five regulation wins, but yeah, is that indicative of of where this Leafs team is now through 19 games, or or are there other indica- other indicators you look at to uh, evaluate how they've played through almost 20 games now? Most of it's just an eye test, and what I see is a team that kind of, for the most part, starts pretty slow. Um, I see a team that doesn't defend well in its own end. 
And I see a team for better or for worse that doesn't seem to be all that engaged or find a sense of urgency in this regular season. And part of that is rightfully so. If if we're going to talk about it all day long and have the narrative all season long that the regular season doesn't matter and it only matters what happens in the playoffs, then at the same time, can we not sit here today and not bark up that tree? Yeah. Or is that is that unfair? No, I I see what you're saying. I think the I think the pushback some people and I don't necessarily agree with it because I tend to fall more where you're at is that. You would like to see this team just get out off and running and go on a sprint from start to finish like this Boston team always seems to. Now, nobody's at, nobody's saying quite what Boston's done, but it just when you kind of stacked it up heading into the year, I think a lot of people thought that this was the least division to lose. So I'm with you in the fact that if you're going to tell the players all the time only the playoffs matter, then at a certain point they're going to start to believe it and it'll show. But it's it's been a, a little concerning to to say the least. So, But I do. I but do, the truth is they're not as good as the Bruins mm-hmm. and they're not as good as the Panthers and they're not as good as the Rangers. So, so why would we expect that? Well, I think that I think what people will point to is that, and this is just talking about the forward group, but when you look at high end talent, I mean, you're taking Matthews before you take anybody, I think in the, in the division, if you feel differently, correct me. I mean, maybe contract, you go Kachuk, but I, I think it's still Matthews. Like I just think with the high end skill and it's four guys, but I think when people look at that, they think that that should be able to carry you through the bulk of a regular season. And there are holes in the bottom part of this lineup. I'm not going to say they're not, but it is not, you know, it's well, not. There's been two, inconsistency at the very top of the pyramid too. This is the problem. Yes. I mean, look at Mitch Marner's season and what's unfolding. Here. Well, you led me right into that question. Exactly, that's exactly where I wanted to go with this. Is that it's almost like we do this for a living? <laughs> it's almost like it. We we look at Marner, and it's funny. You know, we always talk about the whipping boy in Toronto, and there's actually always two whipping boys in Toronto. There's the John Klingberg style whipping boy, where everyone can agree of like, hey, unfortunately, he's going to catch all How the slings and arrows. How quickly can we banish this guy to Robita Island? Exactly. But then there's almost always another whipping boy in the core four. A lot of times it's been William Nylander. Most of the time it's been John Tavares. Well, yeah, it's like Tavares and almost. It's Tavares' contract is the whipping boy. But I think in this market specifically, I think a lot of people are mad at the contract, but they're not really as mad at the player, but it seems to be Marner, Matthews, Nylander. One of them is always kind of wearing it at any given time. And it does feel like the tide is turning for that to be Marner right now. And I'm just kind of, well, Matthews is never wearing that. No, he has never worn it to this point. I he mean, gets, even at times when last season he should have. Yeah. I, I mean, last season, I think a lot of people, and I think rightly so thought that that was injury related, but no, there were definitely conversations had last season about, Hey, where, what happened to the 60 goal guy? Like why, why isn't this guy taking over hockey games? Like, but it's not to the degree that I agree that yeah, Mitch Marner is getting it right now. And not for nothing. I'm not sure that I agree with your premise of the Atlantic division player draft. That's fine. I might go with David Pasternak. Might go pasta. That's fair. I mean, like he's a 60 goal guy. He's locked up. I get it. Like I'm not and like pretty convincingly without any real dips. Mm. Adam Fox, maybe in there. Oh, sorry. We're talking Atlantic. Yeah. No, but I think the point, I think it's just interesting to watch the way that this market kind of rolls through. And you're right. To a certain extent, Matthews doesn't get it. He gets, you know what he gets? He gets the criticism McDavid was getting at the beginning of this Oilers season of like, mm-hmm. look, we know he's not right, mm-hmm. but you do need more. That is kind of the level of criticism that, that Matthews I, and gets. And I think it's all misplaced. I really do. Like, why did, and I, I kind yeah. of, I've thought about this a lot. 
why why did Kyle Dubas get such a free pass in the market? Not for me. Like, why is this defense core that was handed to Brad Tree Living that everyone is like, yes, ready-made Stanley Cup contender? Why did that continually pass the smell test? I because it it's that's the real deficiency of this team. The whipping boy should be whoever built the defense because it's not it's not cup caliber contender. I don't disagree with that. I do disagree with that. Kyle Dubas didn't catch the slings and arrows. I think he. I think he. When? I, oh, I. I mean, I mean, he got ben, fired. Ben and I were screaming eventually. about his tenure this morning, <laughs> arguing about it. So at least when, one when of he us. got fired was the first real scent of any stink. <laughs> Uh, I mean, maybe from the yeah, the people making the decisions, and you know what? Maybe it's not fair to talk about the sentiment of the fan base. No, there was obviously like. But a, he stepped into the position, and it was like this is the next Wonder Boy. Yeah, and then because and there of was that, never any. It was like look at all these smart moves that he's piling up, mm-hmm. and look how smart he looks. Yeah, there was I'm, never any criticism. I'm not going to say that that segment of hockey fandom and Leafs fans didn't exist, but I think there was also a very big segment of people that said oh the wonder kid great why don't you show me something and they continued to think that throughout his entire tenure so i like i understand i, what want, you're I want more of i want more like hard edge toronto sports fan well i think i, I think you might be getting I don't hear if, it enough if this continues so okay like we spent a lot so of maybe time. they just don't yell out enough oh maybe. they definitely are getting to your mentions you're telling me you're you don't see no they really of... don't honestly right, they don't yeah, okay Leafs Nation. I don't Nation. know how they don't make it there. Leafs Nation, <laughs> go get him. Frank Saravelli <laughs> says you do not have the passion that unites us all. No, that no. Oh, <laughs> I want. I'm trying. I, I never hear hard edge. Uh, you know what? And you would hear. You come from a place where like the the sports fans. Maybe that's where that all the sports. Breathe. That's yeah, what that it is. You should have seen my inbox when I worked at the. You know what? This Daily is News. this is an M, this is like an NBA player being like, you're not that tall, six mm. four guy, and it's like I don't know. I think I'm kind of tall, mm. and it's not six eight like it is in Philly. But yeah, I think maybe that's where the disconnect is happening here. Is that everything? And I'm not saying I'm not saying Toronto is the most critical market. I do think that gets overstated at times. But I also don't think it can be said that Cal Dubas got a a free pass here. I don't think that. That's fair to say either. Hmm. I, I just think we live in an echo chamber where the people who yell the loudest get the most attention. And for whatever reason, it's like flavor of the week that someone's mad at. And and no one ever really – and I'm not saying it mm-hmm. should be directed at one person right. in particular. I'm just saying let's go back to the core root and issue of this team. Dude. And, and it's the answer to every question that you're going to have. Why have the Leafs struggled this regular season? Because they're not good enough in their own end. Mm-hmm. It's not because Mitch Marner has just been okay. No. It's not because their offense isn't good enough. Well, so it's okay. because they have a plus one goal differential and they're struggling. Let me let me pose this to you then. Are you surprised? At, and I gr- granted, it's been what six months on the job or something along those lines. But are you surprised the way Brad Living has gone about his time as Leafs GM. Because, you know, I look at that Calgary team and say what you will about it, and I've had my criticisms of it. I adore that blue line and what he built up there. And I don't expect him to come in and, you know, rehaul everything in six months. But you just look at it. I mean... I know they didn't have all the cap space in the world, but they give talent to That's the thing. They I get... think they, they definitely made a miscalculation on John Klingberg. Yeah. Well, and I don't, and, and look, that's not hindsight saying it go like, go back sure. and read my stuff from the trade deadline. Whoever's getting this guy is getting someone who's lost two steps and, and really struggles to make decisions in his own end when he's pressured because mm-hmm. he can't skate well enough. Yeah, here's the problem. So that's not hindsight. So they took a flyer on John Klingberg. Okay. Yep. It looks like they're getting a reprieve from that 
eight weeks into the season, which is about as good of a situation you can put yourself in after making a mistake. So what is that? What let's say, because we've heard the reports of like, this is a big week. We'll get more clarity. Let's say it is what we, at least Ben and I definitely expect it to be that he's on LTIR for the year. We know it's, I shouldn't say it's impossible. People make trades. That's what he's told people. He thinks he's done for the season. Okay. All right. Klingberg has. Okay. That's okay. That that seems like a newsworthy item. Yeah. Sorry. Well, it's, it's not newsworthy quite yet because the team and doctors haven't actually confirmed that. Okay. But that's the thought process that a lot of people have. So what, and I agree with you. I'm very much in that thought process as well. So what does that do? The Leafs now have his 4.1 to to play around with. You know, that opens up things on their end, but you still need to give assets to make a trade. Like, are you, do you think that this will allow a kind of thaw in the trade market now that at least one team that's looking to make a deal, the Leafs can take on money? And not that they're looking to take on bad term or anything like that, but it doesn't have to be necessarily a dollar in, dollar out trade. Like, do you think this could potentially wake up the trade market at all? I think they're going to try. I mean, that's maybe the most exciting part is if you're the Leafs and you now have 4.1, Depending on how you play your cards, you might be able to get two defensemen for that. Mm. Yeah, because with, with double retention, team, it can with be a, eight, yeah, right? Yeah, with another team retaining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's the part where you can really begin to dream and say, okay, let's just play a pure hypothetical here. Like, I, I would think that people got the wrong target after the Zadaroff trade request. Danov. My guess, if if Brad Tree Living was going to go pick through the Calgary Flames roster, the guy that he would be targeting would be Tanev. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, he makes four and a half. Even if you just chop it once, it's two and a quarter. That still leaves you some pretty good wiggle room to go out and get another guy at some point later on. Yeah. Yeah. The good thing is. is, I don't think the Flames are in any rush to do anything. They're only two points back of a playoff spot in the Western Conference right now. Yeah, that's part of it. But I think the other part is, first off, I'm sure the last thing you want to do as a manager and making one of your first significant trades is to do it with someone that knows you really well and you worked for 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 12 years Mm. or eight years or whatever it was. The next thing is, does making a move now, what will the prices compare to in March Mm -hmm. when the trade deadline is March 8th and teams may or may not be a little bit more desperate? Man, I mentioned it's hard to jump. It's hard to be the first one to dip your toe into the pool, not knowing the temperature of the water. God, especially considering how, yeah, like there, I mentioned that there's like three points separating eighth from 13th in the Eastern Conference. There's so many teams still in it, right? Like there are so many unknowns about the postseason in both the East and the, the Western Conference. Basically, everybody is is still dreaming of the postseason outside of I mean I guess you could even say that the Blue Jackets are, are dreaming because I, I don't think Senators fans would tell you for sure that they're out of it despite the fact I guess there's six games in hand for the Senators it's just like you can count on one hand and only maybe like three fingers teams that are, are definitively out of it when it comes to the trade deadline it just it feels like there's a log jam outside of the top teams in both the east and the west there's like I don't know well, least, then there's a lot of mush. Yeah, there's a lo- that's kind of where the Calgary Flames find themselves. And I would argue that really the most prudent thing for them would be to take a step back, a way more holistic view and say, okay, we understand that eight seeds sometimes go on a run and have a deep playoff you know, experience and, and enjoy that. But does anyone look at the Flames today, mm. even as well as they've played in the last two to three weeks, and say that team is a threat 
And well, I think the NHL is really simple now. If you're not in that conversation where you're considered a threat, mm. then you've got to take a step back and try and figure out how to get in that conversation. That's That sounds like NBA thinking. And I'm not saying that it's wrong, but yeah, gen- the, 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 the thought around the National Hockey League in years and years and for for like as long as I've been watching it is like you get in you got a chance to win it like you don't have as great chances in it but once you get into the 16 team turn, tournament yeah eight seeds we see winning the Stanley Cup all the time like they, you're telling me that there's a diminished value on getting into the postseason if teams don't believe that they have the staying power to get through four rounds well but then you've got all these pending UFAs and then you back yourself into a corner then what what if you what if they're not returning or maybe the worst case scenario and worse than that is what if these guys all resign and then you have an old team that's still not a threat and you're saddled with term and you become the New York Islanders of the West oof that's not what you want and they had the two uh, two trips to the Final Four or whatever we were calling those weird uh, bubbles with non-conferences uh, years. So, yeah, they at least had that to show for it. Um, I got a... I don't know that you'll have an answer on this, but I think it's a question a lot of people have. Uh, the Corey Perry situation, this is as odd a one just reading between the lines as I can remember. Um, I, I'm not going to ask you to speculate, obviously, but just w- do you have any read on on what is happening there? Can you remember a situation where there's been so much kind of cloud around this? It feels like there's usually at least some whispers one way or another, and it just feels, and again, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels radio silent coming out of Chicago. I mean, there's been plenty of whispers behind the scenes. I, I think from a reporting perspective, course, none that I yeah, feel yeah. No, comfortable no, no, of course. Um, sharing. But I think what's mostly clear to me, at least in terms of how the Blackhawks have handled it, is this is a team decision and it's for disciplinary reasons. Mm. I don't know what that entails. I don't know what the end game is. I don't even know what happened to get to that point. But at the same time, he released a statement through his agent saying he's taking some time for personal reasons. Those two things can exist. Like there can be concentric circles that connect those two Mm -hmm. things. So that's all we have to go on. Mm -hmm. But when it's a team decision and they're not expecting him back for the foreseeable future, I just don't know how it ends. Okay, so if it is something, okay, I don't want to get into, but if it's disciplinary, right? Like it's, it's hey, something happened, just maybe not hockey related, but within the bounds of being a member of a hockey team, does that impact his I ability to be? more within the bounds of, yeah, being an employee right, at okay. any place. Does it impact his ability to be moved? Because, I mean, that was always the thought. I, I think. would think it does. Okay. so, so But you, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I don't know the, the details. Like the, okay. the, There's been lots talked about, but nothing to, to act on, which is why we haven't said anything. So I don't want to belabor the point, but I think this is a fair question to ask. Do okay. you think the fact that one, it's the Chicago Blackhawks and everything, and I'm not, I want to be very clear, I am not connecting the two issues, but just given the issues that that franchise has had with everything coming out of the, the era, the Quenville era and everything there, and the presence of Connor Bedard, do you think it causes this franchise to maybe be, and again, I'm not saying they're, they're doing anything wrong or handling this wrong, but do you think it maybe causes them to act with extra caution? Well, just put yourself in their shoes, right? For sure. Like, especially now since Rocky Wirtz died suddenly last summer, his son, who's a young guy, he's, I think he's under 50 years old, 
he's now president and CEO of the team. I'm sure they're on high alert for anything that comes across their plate, good, bad, whatever it might be, because they've been to hell and back. And the last thing they want to do is put themselves in a situation where someone somewhere might question any move that they make. I'm sure they're on high alert. Connor Bedard looks good though, so that, that's good. Nice. Yeah, good <laughs> he does. for them. I said 100 points. <laughs> okay. I didn't, now that you're doing predictions, we'll, we'll leave on a high. Um, I, I don't feel as crazy as I did the first two weeks of the season when I said it. No, 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 no. You're you're right there. Uh, but I want to just I want to ask you an Oilers question. Uh, Connor McDavid, Art Ross, Trophy, or Oilers bank the postseason? Either thing happens this season. Oh, um. I still think there's a chance he wins the Art Ross. I think they're definitely making the playoffs. Oh, definitely. So you think both things I don't, happen? I really don't. I think the West <laughs> is so bad outside yeah. of the top six teams, the God. top three in each division, that I don't think it's really even going to require a ton of effort or energy to pass the St. Louis Blues and Seattle Kraken and Nashville Predators. Uh, yeah, when you they're put it only that. eight points away from that right now. They could do that. They, that this team could rattle off six or eight wins in a row without blinking. Yeah, when Connor McDavid, when you have to back put to back four games. point games, yeah, I mean nine points in your last two, like <laughs> pretty good. On. Yeah, and uh, then uh, extrapolate that out, and you're like, <laughs> he he passed everyone by how many points? Twenty eight more than Drysaitel last year, and forty more than everyone else. Like, it's not crazy to think that he wins it still by five or ten. No, in two games he went from being like in the hundreds in the scoring race to the top twenty. So it's it's stupid. Yeah, <laughs> you can see it flipping very quickly. Uh, Frank, pleasure as always, buddy. Have a good week, guys. You too, Frank Cervelli, president of hockey content at DailyFaceOff.com. He was our insider. He was brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. It's remarkable, everything from that. But just to put a bow on the McDavid thing, uh, the stat, he was 108th in NHL scoring with 13 points as of last Sunday after a five-point game last night. He is tied for 13th mm-hmm. with 25 points. Yes. <laughs> what do you call it? It's a precipitous drop. Like, what do you call it when it's a climb? Mm. All right, get You're the on wordsmith. that. All right. You're the wordsmith. Okay, we'll figure that out in the break. All right, when we come back, we'll talk to uh, Alvin Williams on the call, the Raptors Close loss to the Cavaliers yesterday. What's going on with the free throw shooting? Can that be cured? We'll ask Alvin next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And free throws aren't your friend per se. Um, how do you compensate for that? What is our friend? Free throws. Uh, not our friend. Uh, yeah, so we um, <laughs> gotta step on the line and make shots, you know. And uh, guys are guys are really trying and putting work in. So uh, we'll, uh, I believe, we'll, we'll we'll be able to to get it where we want to get it. Free throws not the Raptors friends. It's got free in the name. Yeah. You should just get it. Yeah. The the Raptors third from the bottom in free throw percentage. And it wasn't the only reason they lost yesterday to the Cleveland Cavaliers, but it's in the top two reasons. It's up there. (laughs) I would say uh, when you lose a one possession game and you make 
fewer than 70% of your free throws. Not great as the Raptors drop below 500 now, eight and nine. Let's talk to Alvin Williams, Raptors analyst on the call of yesterday's game on sports. And how's it going, Alvin? Good morning, guys. How are you? I'm all right. How do you view a team that, you know, has historically been much better shooting free throws than they've been this season? How do you like evaluate what's happened to the free throw shooting and how do you change what's happened with the free throw shooting? I mean, those those are two great questions. I, I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> the free throw shooting, you get to practice and you, you shoot more, I guess. But, I, I you know, you, I, I don't know, right? You, you, you wish <laughs> at the end of the game you could have the ball in guys' hands that can make free throws throughout the game and things like that. But for whatever reason, you know, guys are struggling this year from the line. And it's 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 a rhythm thing and it's a confidence thing. And, you know, after a while, you know, if you miss a few and you miss a few in certain situations, that, that will play a part and that will get in your head. So as a team, you know, that's just something is you really can't put a finger on it and you really can't go and do anything other than shoot and practice and stuff like that. But I don't know how you fix that, actually. I mean, is it going to start impacting the way the Raptors are defended? I mean, they went to the line so many times yesterday, especially comparatively to the the Cavaliers who only went to the line six times. Like, are we going to see – we see Jakob Pertl gets this, and he's been a career poor free throw shooter. But if the Raptors continue down this path, Alvin, could you see a scenario where that's part of the, the, the scouting report on this team that, hey, they get in the paint, you make them go to the line, you make them earn it. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, I, I don't, I don't think it'll be at the end of the day a hack and shack, but there will be an idea of you know, no easy layups and no easy opportunities. Send them to the free throw line, you know, and that you know teams have done that in the past. So, you know, that that's definitely going to be a strategy if if the free throw shooting continues to um, be this poor. Yeah, it's, and I just wonder what it does to a team kind of mentally. The idea of like. Every pro athlete or any athlete is going to go through times where they're struggling, but rarely is it something so simple. I mean, honestly, like the word that comes to mind with this is the yips. Like it's not quite that they're not airballing free throws left, right and center, but it, it like we don't see this in sports that often. And, you know, I know there are other teams who who struggle too, and including a Denver team that we all think is much better. So kind of strange to see them down there, but does it, do you think like the, like you mentioned the confidence there, like can that bleed into other aspects of the game? And, you know, this is a Raptors team that struggled to score at times this year as is. And I just wonder if the poor free throw shooting can kind of bleed into a lack of confidence offensively as a whole. I mean, uh, it could. You never, I mean, you never underestimate the psychology of things when when you talk about players. But, you know, sometimes you may be a little hesitant to put yourself in situations where you can get fouled. You know, I think back to um, the Philadelphia 76ers and when Ben Simmons in the playoffs against Atlanta Hawks, he had a he had a wide open layup and yep. passed it, and he didn't want to get fouled. He was shooting the ball poorly. They were fouling him, and I think that's where that came from, like not wanting to get fouled. So after a while, you you won't put yourself in certain situations. You may not be as aggressive because you're worried about the possibility of getting fouled, going to the line, and missing. But I don't see the team like that. I don't see the team. I think it's just one of those things for right now. I'm hoping it's right now. It's just a rhythm thing. It's something where they can pick it up as as they get more and more reps. So it's just one of those things, I think. I, like you said, it's not the yips. I hope it's not the yips. They're not mm. shooting air balls. But it's, it's just... It's difficult, but again, you mentioned it as well. It's not they're not the only team that's, you know, shooting poorly, right? So 
It's just something they have to fix it, and it's going they're going to have to do it internally or figure out a way to, to overcome that. Yeah, and there's no excuse. There's no DeMar DeRozan's daughter screaming at them each and every game, uh, which was like <laughs> seemingly like the pivot point to, from like a reasonable shooting free throw team to this bad free throw shooting team, the, the play-in tournament game against the Chicago Bulls. All right, Scotty Barnes was actually not bad from the line. He was 4 or 5, so 80%. It's my quick math on that one. But 15 points this is a guy that that six of the first seven games to start the season was scoring 20 points or more, and then in the last six, he's only done that one time. And I know on the broadcast yesterday, you were talking about him maybe looking a little bit tired. What have you seen from Scotty Barnes recently? Um... You know, you know, Scotty. Scotty is one of those guys for me. Like the twenty points and averaging those things. That's always that's always a great sight. It's always good to see you know guys picking up their averages. And but to me, the scoring is not the thing to identify Scotty. The, the the everything you know, being able to defend, being able to assist the ball. Is he's been shooting the ball great from outside. You know, that's been an improvement. So you know, with him, it's always also with him. I, I, I hate to see when he's spending a lot of energy complaining to the referees. And as one last night to me, I saw one of those games. You know, he's been doing it to me a little bit more, and I think he just has to get back to, you know, his focus on the game. You know, when you start playing certain situations, teams will start scouting you differently. Some some teams will start putting you in different matchups where you're not going to always just score you know, 20, 25 points a game. So, you know, we know he has that ability. But the biggest thing is for him to continue to grow and play the game, the maturity to be involved in the game at all aspects. I think yesterday was a tough matchup. He was guarding Darius Garland. And, you know, he, he loves to pressure the ball. He loves to use his energy and his strength. And Darius Garland is one of those guys, man, that he's not going to he's not going to be he's not going to be shaken. Right. He's going to be one of these guys that's going to use his ball handling skills and his finishing ability around the basket. Reminds me a lot of Kyrie Irving, but I think that was something where he had to make that adjustment. And he got a little frustrated, I think. But I see him still being that dominant player where he does everything and, and he will continue to be that person. Well, Alvin, can we just can we just pause on the fact for the f- that they asked him to guard Darius Garland? Like, I know you got to stick OG on Donovan Mitchell, and that's why that happens. But for a guy who, at times this year, we have talked about the job he did defensively on Giannis, that he goes in another part of the game and gets asked, or another part of the season and gets asked to defend somebody like Garland. Like, it really does just show the versatility that he has. And again, like, I know I'm not breaking any news here, but I think sometimes we just kind of gloss over these things. Like, you just talk to how impressive that is for not not just any player, but still a relatively young one to be able to have that in their toolkit to guard both types of guys. And again, I'm not going to say he did a tremendous job on Garland last night, but the fact that they are even asking him to do it kind of proves that, doesn't it? No, for sure. I mean, that's why he goes down as one of those guys in my in my book, one of those special type of players. You know, he he can he and since he was a rookie, he was taking tough matchups. I remember him guarding the Joker. I remember him guarding James Harden. I remember him guarding tough guys as a rookie and doing a damn good job. So just having that that understanding, that respect, and that reputation where he can guard multiple guys throughout the game. And again. You're going to have matchups, and you're going to have nights where, you know, this is the NBA. Guys are going to get the best of you. You know, so I, I, like I said, it's not – for me, it's not the dropping of scoring a bit, but it's more so just making sure you just focus on what the team needs to do and you continue to get better from that aspect. But you're right. That's a hell of a, that's a, hell of a feat just to 
be able to ask to do those things night in and night out. He and OG, and and this is why I think the Raptors really have a lot of potential to be great team, a, a very good team, not a great team, but a very good team so far because they have people that are willing to defend. I've even watched Pascal; it becomes infectious. I watched him get down, and you know he he got he's playing better defense. So I think it's one of those things where those two guys can set the tone, and, and everyone else will follow. This is maybe a totally unfair question to just throw at you, but as you were just ripping off some of those guys, like you mentioned that, that Scotty's been asked to defend Joker as well. Who do you think is the, and I guess maybe the answer is it's different for different types of players, but who do you think is the single like toughest cover in the NBA? Like, is it a guy like Joker? When I close my eyes, I think back to like Cavs, Airy, Kyrie Irving. And I'm like, when he's going, there couldn't be anybody harder to defend than him, what he can do with the ball. Like just off the top of your head, who do you think is kind of like the toughest guy to, to cover? in the league because I, I mean maybe it's Jokic just with how versatile he is but I don't know there's so many ways to kind of look at it do you have somebody off the top of your head Alvin yeah Luke is very tough mm. Lucas guys where you, you can try to be physical but he's big enough and he's he's slick enough where he can use your physicality against you and if you play off of him he can shoot the J like he does so much and, and then he reminds me again of a James Harden totally when James Harden dribbled the ball, you know, he just dominated the ball. And, you know, he would either get you a shot and then, or he would get his own shot so he can fill a stat sheet. But it's very hard. I don't see there's one person that can guard a Luka Doncic in the game. So, And, and, and you know, the NBA, they're not going to allow you sure. to guard the great guys anyway because of the rule changes and, you know, the lack of physicality and, and those things. But Luka Doncic is that guy. Man. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know how you – how you defend that guy. You think Scotty complains a lot. Imagine how good Luca mm. would be if he wasn't up in the yeah. refs here all the time. Mm. To me, it's, it's Wemby. And I know... <laughs> I mean, it's oh, just yeah. like it's physical. It's just like, a math problem. Yeah, it feels like it's going to be the answer. I got to be honest. It feel like an oversight by us. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I know we had a good game, but yeah, whoa, that Spurs team. Uh, they they doing a lot of losing recently. Actually, you know what, Alvin? Maybe we'll go here now that I brought up the Spurs. Um, the I, I imagine you saw the Greg Popovich thing where he stopped the game last <laughs> week, um, or yep. he, he tried to uh, telling the fans not to to boo Kawhi Leonard. I'm sure that got in. Kawhi's good books, Kawhi, although, like, I'm sure also Kawhi didn't care because he doesn't <laughs> care about anything. But, like, yeah, I, I, when you're an athlete on the court, are you not just aware that, like, fans are fans and that there's not, like, personal animus? What did you what did you make of Pop trying to tell the fans not to boo after paying whatever their $100 a ticket? I mean, that's, that's the grumpy old man coming out, like, I can say <laughs> what I want to do. But, you know, I just, you know, I, you know, I was talking to Eric Smith about this on his podcast, he and Jonesy, and it was one of those things where we were talking about the impact of a fan and if that actually impacts, you know, a player. And I was on the side of it really doesn't impact a player. You know, psychologically, you know, it's just one of those things where you, you just hear white noise. And you talk about Kawhi Leonard, I'm sure he's not concerned with anything that's going on out there. But um, I, just, I just think it was, you know, Popovich, you know, taking the opportunity to say, you know, this is a former one of us and that Spurs identity, that Spurs family and how how they were treating someone that came back. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when Vince Carter or Tracy McGrady left Toronto and the crowd just booing him and booing him or whatever the case may be because they were upset that they left. So I think it was one of those things where Pop took the opportunity to say, you know, let's, let's not do that. Let's be more classy. Let's 
let's have a respect for what he did for us. And we won championships with him and bygones be bygones. You know, it's just one of those things. I'm not sure how impactful it was, but I just think that's the perspective he was coming from. Yeah, not very impactful. I like they like. It's hilarious, personally. <laughs> they booed laughter. Yeah. yeah. yeah so I, I I don't I don't know I don't know how to take it but you know coaches that over the time have taken the microphone and, uh, and talked to the crowd especially in college you know you haven't seen it in the pros but in college you know the coaches would talk to the student body and if they were being like rude or if they were being over the top so it's not the first time you've seen a coach do that but I, I do believe I don't I, I believe you know if you're an opposing guy and you're the opponent and the crowd is booing. I'm not sure how much of an impact that plays other than it motivates you to play harder and, 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 and give the home team a harder time, you know, to be successful. So it mm. could go against you at times, I believe. Yeah, but, yeah, again, like it's not like the, the Spurs of any illusions about making the playoffs this season or being a good team. And, you know, it's not like those Raptors teams were in a, a window of contention when, when Vince returned. I mean, you can speak to that specifically. What, what, Imagine Sam Mitchell grabbing yeah, the mic going, yeah. hey, people, don't <laughs> boo Vince. I would honestly, what I'd give to create a time machine and have that happen, yeah, honestly. How, how do you think Vince would feel about that, Alvin? Yeah, I, I think Vince would probably be uh, have some respect for Sam after after <laughs> after how everything went down. You know, like I said, we didn't win any championships with Vince and all that stuff. But it is a point. You know, I used to think about it where Vince came and I, I couldn't believe how he was booed because you know two months ago before he was traded and uh, all throughout the years he was revered and shared and I just couldn't believe that that was actually happening how it flipped so soon like how quick and I know you know. You, People were upset how it happened and things like that, but yeah. I just couldn't believe it. And but I wasn't getting the mic and, and saying, "Hey guys, <laughs> you're wrong." They were gonna start booing me for Vince. So I said, I, yes, I, that I, is I, what I would happen. Yeah, I know. Alvin, you too. Get out of here. Yeah. Uh, no, that was a smart move. Very good. That was awesome, Alvin. Uh, thanks, man. See ya. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. You too. Alvin Williams, Raptors analyst. Yeah, that's... <sighs> and it, it's funny because I had to look up who... I forgot. Like, you know, Raps had a lot of coaches. I'm like, was it Sam? Who is it? And it's like, that's actually the funniest one. Yeah. Like, Dwayne Casey, he would have, like, gone like, a little preacher mode, I feel like. You know, he could really, like, be yeah. giving it to you. Mm-hmm. Be, like, a stern dad yelling at you. Mm-hmm. Sam Mitchell would have easily been the funniest. Of all the Raptors coaches that I could think of. To, well, like, but I mean, considering like some of O'Neal the stories like, that came out of a Sam and Vince, oh, yeah, I think no, he might I know. have been like, no, I know. I, can I, you, I, is that all you can do? Everybody make some noise. I, I actually, you know what? I now want that to happen. I don't care where. I want a coach to see that this is now in the toolkit and just in a playoff game. Oh, my God. oh this is. Not la- that. Yeah. Could you again, like, bring it back to Toronto? Of course, so everything goes back to the Leafs. <laughs> Imagine Sheldon Keefe before a big pe- penalty kill mm. in the third. I need you on your feet, people. <laughs> God, it's oh, hilarious. Uh, shout out to David Amber, by the way, who's <sighs> got into my Twitter DMs. Um, precipitous decline, meteoric rise. There you go, meteoric rise. I gotta say, I use a lot of sports cliches. I don't know if I've ever used meteoric rise before. But it is one. It's right there. Like it's in a lot of people's for sure. tool belt. I just I don't use meteoric rise. Uh, we only got to like one NFL game. That was the biggest one. It was the biggest. There was one. so much from the NFL yesterday. Like I do not want to poo poo it. I guess and I also, we talked about the Broncos a little bit. I also forget if Alvin 
like if he just can't stand the Philly sports fans or if that then bleeds to the teams, I think yes. he doesn't like the teams no, because like of the, the fans. Teams. He doesn't like the teams. Right. So, yeah. Tough football year years for him. Yeah. Although the Super Bowl must have been sweet. Yeah, it's hard not to view the Eagles <laughs> despite the fact that Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. And, yeah. yeah. The Chiefs, I mean, also, like, uh, part oh. of the discussion I, about the Bills getting into the AFC playoffs and having a good opportunity to run through them is because it's a diminished version of the Chiefs. But that also exists outside of the Chiefs. Like, if the Chiefs get in, yes. like, they're going to be moonwalking all the way I, to the Super Bowl, it feels like. I love being right so much when it's not related to the Leafs. When it's related to the Leafs, I just want whatever is best for them. But mm. when it's anything else in sports, oh my God, do I love being right. When I saw that the Chiefs were down 14 nothing, mm. and I just knew in my heart the Eagles were going to beat the Bills, the, the victory lap I was going to take coming in here of the, not fraudulent, but maybe not as good as we think Kansas City Chiefs. But again, guess what? They pulled out the stops and they won because that's what they do. So I'm giving them their credit. But I just wanted you to know Mm -hmm. I was licking my chops for the takes I was going to get to have. It's a tough spot for you to be in. Like against a Chiefs team that I should have maybe beaten the Eagles in that game. Yeah. um, Despite a notable turnover in the red zone by the quarterback, a notable turnover in scoring position by the Hall of Fame tight end, Mm -hmm. and still could have easily beaten the Eagles despite a diminished offense this season that's buddy I, I wouldn't want to be on your side of the street when we get to the postseason and Patrick Mahomes is trying to win a second consecutive Super Bowl that's a rough spot for you but good for you like, oh, if it ends up working no out. you're right like thinking the Eagles could win the Super Bowl that's, is such a well, tough spot for me to put myself no 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 it's not but you, you part of your Eagles Here, over uh Chiefs thing is diminishing the Chiefs and again like I look at the AFC right now yeah, who's, oh, no. who's beating nobody. the Chiefs in nobody. the postseason nobody oh the Ravens no. oh, the- well no here's honestly Lamar he- Jackson he has that one postseason here's, history he's got to be afraid of the Ravens here's who's going to beat the Chiefs if the Chiefs lose and not the Super Bowl I don't think someone's going to beat them. They're going to beat themselves. Like mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey has had has had fumbles that are uncharacteristic to him. And look, this is all part of the game. But it's like they had to pull out trick plays to beat the Raiders yesterday, and that's fine. Like you're allowed to have them. Yeah. But if they lose, it's not. It is not going to be Lamar Jackson forcing a win over. No, it's going to be the Chiefs mm-hmm. stubbing their toe. That's what's going to happen. And much like the Eagles, I don't. Now the difference is there are teams that can beat the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. The NFC has a bunch of teams that can beat the Eagles. How did this happen? And overnight, forever, the AFC was a man's conference. Well, and it's different if Joe Burrow is still healthy, right? Very like that's different. You're that's right. the yep. whole thing, right? And I do well, think the Bills are the, the Bills needed to be realer than they are. That right. was such a big thing for the AFC and the Jets and no Rodgers. And will we be singing a different tune if after the bye, the Bills do what they did again last postseason, as did the Bengals dur- or during the regular season and beat oh. the Chiefs coming out of the bye? If like they, then it's back on. If it's if it's well again though. If it's just Pat, if it's, it depends how it looks. If it's the Chiefs beating themselves, mm-hmm. which they have been wont to do this year, they have had times where they say, all right, we're going to pull it out in the last quarter, which again, like no shame to that. But mm. if they have been gettable, it depends how it looks. But because of the schedule the Bills have, if they get in the playoffs, the tune we will be singing about them by the time it rolls around, because they'll have to beat two or three of yep. Cowboys, Chiefs, Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Okay, Patriots are in there too, so we won't give them any credit for that one, especially since Patriots will be trying to lose that game. But if they are able to go on a run and get in the playoffs, we will be looking at them as a world beater by mm-hmm. the time the playoffs roll around. Kinda a lot like of football Oilers. between now and then. Yeah, like the Oilers. Like the Oilers totally. get there, it's going to be an incredible story of perseverance mm-hmm. and intestinal fortitude. 
A uh, couple of things on the Sunday nighter because we haven't talked. We haven't yeah. made enough fun of Brandon Staley, oh, who I feel always. like I've heard for that in that in the halftime interview or like coming out of the the dressing room at halftime. Like those. The coaches, they have like two word answers, right? Yes. It's like two questions and it lasts about <laughs> or, seven seconds. Or 37 word answers if Carissa Thompson's telling you. <laughs> no, not If Carissa mean. Thompson's relaying it, you, you, were, you were very, you, you were, uh, you were very insightful. Um, but I got to say, watching Brandon Staley in his halftime interview, it looked like a guy who's like almost like auditioning for the media. Oh, job. totally. I, I really did feel that. Like, as a guy that's like, I'm, I'm going to really engage here. I'm going to try and get the media back on Coming my side. Coming for you, Jason Garrett. Oh, uh, he's, he's uh, yeah, obviously on his way out. Dead um, man walking. The other thing from that game, there's a lot of things. But yeah. The other thing that really stood out and had Twitter going nuts was Justin Tucker missing a field goal within 50 S- yards. He told you. System kicker. What are the most shocking things in sports? Because, like, I think that's... At the very top of the list, like that, and Steph Curry missing a free throw, although that happens over the course of a regular season. Like, you can go a whole regular season without Justin Tucker missing a a sub-50 yard field goal. Yeah, he's, uh, hey man, father time comes for everybody. He ain't what he uh, quite used to be. He'll, like, simmer down. Yeah, it's fine. They got the, uh, it's, he's a system kicker. He tried to tell you this. He's been trying to tell you this. He is good, obviously, but yeah, it's shocking when you see it. Curry free throw, I don't know, like a Tiger two foot or something yeah, like that. Yeah. I don't know. Bobochet walk. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say Ryan Reeves goal, but we just saw it. We did. Okay. All right. We'll be back tomorrow. This has been the Fan Morning Show. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sports at 590. The Fan. Good morning. Good morning.